Amen. Well, I know as you open your Bibles this morning, it's going to naturally flop open to Daniel, but we're going to actually be in the book of Acts this morning, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, Go ahead and dismiss our children at this time to Kids Church. As you're turning to Acts chapter 1, we're actually going to be reading this morning verses 6, starting in verse 6. Verses 6 through 11. We'll be spending the next few weeks in the book of Acts chapter 1 in this passage uh, looking, looking at the purpose that God has called us to lift up Jesus, to live in obedience and to love the world. Uh, and then starting in the month of February, we're going to begin walking through the book of Matthew. So uh, we're going to camp out here in the book of Acts chapter 1 for a few weeks and then we'll move uh, to the book of Matthew. But Acts chapter 1, we're going to be re- begin reading in verse 6. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed for his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. And a cloud received him out of their sight, and they were gazing intently into the sky while he was departing. Behold, two men in white clothes stood beside them, and they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus whom has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same manner as you have watched him go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you indeed have called us friend. Lord, your word tells us, greater love hath no man than he laid down his life for his friend. Lord, and you have called us friend. And it is because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that we are called your friend. We are reconciled to God. God, we pray that as we open up your word this morning, we look at the purpose of your church. Or may we be convicted of our failure, our disobedience. May we be convicted of, of where we fall short. But Lord, may we be encouraged that when we fall short, we have an advocate with the Father. Lord, this morning, may you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we look at the book of Acts, I want to, we're going to focus on verse 8. And verse 8 is probably one of the more uh, popular verses, one of the more uh, easily recognizable verses in all of the book of Acts. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, even Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and you've probably heard a dozen sermons on this passage about you know how you know this is our Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, and 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 how uh, you know we as the church are to to go to our neighbors with the gospel, and then to uh, to our friends and family, and and so on and so forth, and to the ends of the earth. And and this is not going to be that sermon. 
Uh, so, 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 so go ahead and, and ignore all the sermons that you've already heard on this passage. And we're going to, to look at, we're going to camp out on a little bit different aspect about, that, uh, about this passage. But I want us to understand that the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, gives us a general outline of the book of Acts. If you read through the book of Acts, we will see that the gospel uh, permeates the world, and it does so just as it is described in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you'll receive power, and the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The first few chapters in the book of Acts are focused on the church in Jerusalem. Verse chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends and, and uh, falls upon the apostles and they begin speaking in other languages and they begin proclaiming the gospel to those who are in Jerusalem. And then the gospel in Acts chapter, uh, uh, in Acts chapter 5, 6, 7, the gospel moves from the center in Jerusalem to the, to the, uh, to, to the outer reaches of Judea. And then in Acts chapter 7, we have Stephen sharing the gospel. Acts chapter 7, uh, Stephen is martyred. Acts chapter 8, the gospel goes to the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, Acts chapter uh, uh, 9, Paul is converted. Paul, um, uh, Paul is uh, converted to be the, the missionary to the Gentiles. And then we see a little bit later on in Acts, about 12 or 13, the gospel goes to Samaria. And then after Acts chapter uh, 12, 13, Paul and Barnabas are commissioned out of Antioch and the gospel goes from Judea to the outermost parts of Asia Minor to, to uh, Philippi in Europe to North Africa uh, to as far east as, as Spain, as far west as, I'm sorry, uh, as far east as India, as far west as Spain. And the gospel goes to the outermost parts, to the, to the outermost parts of the world. And so this Acts chapter 1-8 is very much an outline of how the gospel will permeate and how the gospel will spread throughout, throughout all, of, uh, all of the known world in that first century. And so it is, it is essentially a thesis to the book of Acts. But I want us to focus on the mission of the disciples. So let's go back and let's look at verse 8. <clears throat> But you shall receive power, and this is very specific to the disciples. The disciples are standing there in Jerusalem, and they're talking to Jesus. Jesus is, is he has just given them the great commission. He said, uh, and all authority shall be given unto me, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to resolve all that I have commanded. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we understand that Jesus has given his disciples the great commission, and so they're they're, they've seen Jesus risen. They, they're standing there in Jerusalem and they're not sure what's going on. And so they ask him, they said, now is this when, when you're going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus looks at them and says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you <coughs> and you will be my witnesses. I want us to notice that after receiving power, we see that that takes place in Acts chapter 2. The disciples are not sharing the good news of the gospel they are not spreading the gospel message they are not telling others about jesus until they receive power acts chapter 2 says they receive power the holy spirit descends upon them just as it is outlined in verse 8 and you will receive power and you will be my witnesses what i want us to focus on is the passage that says you'll receive power and you shall be my witnesses jesus is talking to them the disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit and this receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit empowered them to testify 
of Jesus. To be His witnesses. Jesus says, you'll receive power, and that power will enable you to be my witnesses. And so the purpose of the disciples, the purpose of them being filled with the Spirit, of them being empowered by the holy promise of God, the Holy Spirit, was to be a testimony, was to be a witness for Jesus. Not for them, not for the church, not for Israel, not for some nationalistic uh, a political gain, not for some, some kingdom that was to come, but to be the witnesses and the testament of Jesus. I want us to notice the question of the disciples. Look at verse 6. When they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, isn't it this time that you're restoring your kingdom to Israel? See, the disciples had a very fixed idea of what the Messiah was. <clears throat> they had been suffering under oppression. Remember, since the exile of the northern kingdom to Assyria and the southern kingdom to Babylon, Israel has been under foreign rule for some 600 years. They were under the reign of the Assyrians, then under the Babylonians, then under the Persians, then under the Greeks, then under the Romans. And since we've just walked through the book of Daniel, we, we're very familiar with, with this progression. They've been under the oppression of foreign leaders for some 600 years and they are believing that God is going to remove the foreign oppressors from them and is going to exalt them and is going to bring them back to the glory days of David. After all, the Messiah was the son of David. David was, was the promised one. He was the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise, the fulfillment of the Mosaic promise. He was the fulfillment. And, and if we read in 2 Samuel that, that there is going to come a son of David who is going to reign on the throne of David forever. And so Israel, in a very, a very realistic, very tangible, very, very concrete understanding, thinks that there's going to be an overthrow of the government and that the Messiah, the anointed one, is going to sit on the throne of David for all of eternity. And so, so here we have, here we have that, that promise is what Israel is expecting. Did I die? My batteries died. So, Acts chapter 1, they are asking, they are asking, is it at this time, is it at this time that, they're asking, is it at this time, I'm, I'm alive now, is it at this time that, that the kingdom is going to be established? And they're thinking very tangibly, very practically, very concrete. Because within the disciples, you have zealots. Simon the zealot, you have, you have Jewish nationalists who are, who are actively seeking to overthrow the, 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 the reign of, of Rome. You have people who are seeking personal gain. Remember James and John on the way to Gethsemane? Kind of elbow Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, you know, whenever all this thing goes down, when the rubber hits the road, you know, whenever, whenever we kick out Caesar and we become Israel again, let, let me sit on one hand and let my brother sit on your other hand. Let us come into prominence. Let us come into power. And so you have those that were part of the disciples that were seeking political national gain. And then you have those who were seeking personal gain. And then you have those who were seeking vindication. I mean, here you have, 
you have the, 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 the disciples who had, been, who had been lauding Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one, and then he had just been crucified and they had been made a laughing stock and they had been embarrassed in front of, in front of all of Israel, in front of all of their people, and now Jesus has, has risen from the dead and they're seeking vindication. They're seeking, you know, let us now come into power. Let us now give authority unto Jesus. Jesus reminded them that all that the Father did and all that the Father will do was not for a political kingdom, but it was to glorify the Son. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of John, chapter 8, verse 54. Chapter 8, verse 54. Jesus makes this statement. If you have one of those red letter edition Bibles, it is written in red and it says this. That's John, not Luke. John chapter 8, verse 54. Jesus said, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. Turn to John chapter 13, verse 31. John chapter 13, verse 31. When therefore he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified? And God is the one glorified in him. John chapter 16, verse 14. Jesus again says, he, uh, referencing the Father, he shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose to you. All throughout the Gospel of John, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus is reminding the church, he's reminding his disciples that the purpose of the Father was to glorify and exalt the Son. And so when the disciples come to Jesus and they say, now is it the time, is it the appointed time for us to be glorified with you? Now is it the appointed time for Israel to be glorified? Now is it the appointed time for for us to be vindicated? Jesus reminds them, he says, no, no, no. The whole purpose from the very beginning was that the Son be glorified, was that Jesus be glorified. Not Israel, not not." You personally, not, not to vindicate some, 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 some wrong that's been done you, but the whole purpose from the beginning of time has been to glorify the Son. The whole purpose from the very beginning is to lift high the name of Jesus. Jesus reminded them that, that from the very beginning that it was the Father's purpose to glorify the Son. And Jesus was aware of the Father's purpose. Because in John chapter 17, whenever Jesus has his high priestly prayer, just before Jesus, just before Jesus enters into Gethsemane, just before we see Jesus making the statement, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done. Jesus has this, this intense conversation with the Father in John chapter 17, verse 5. I want us to see the words of Jesus. He understood the purpose of the Father. Listen to what he says. And now, glorify thou me, together with thyself, Father, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. 
He says, God, now, now is the time when the Son of Man will be exalted. Now is the time. Glorify me just as I was once glorified with you before time ever was. Restore unto me the glory that has always been mine. I understand the purpose from the beginning. Now glorify thy Son. Now, if Jesus were anyone other than God the Son, these statements of glorify me, lift me up, exalt me, would be prideful, selfish, and sinful. But Jesus is not anyone else but God the Son. He is God the Son. I want to draw our attention to the story of Mary and Martha. It's a very familiar story. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 26 through 29. Very familiar passage to most of us. Verse 26. I'm looking at Luke chapter 10, verse 26, and that's not the right passage. Yes, it is. I'm in the wrong passage. Here we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 26. That's not right. Thank you. Verse 38. And now as they were traveling along, he entered into a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who moreover was listening to the Lord's words and seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. The Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really, only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, but shall not be taken away from her. Mary was praised for one reason. Because she was intent on worshiping and glorifying Jesus. She understood that everything else was secondary to the glorifying and the exalting of Jesus. And I think so oftentimes, as the church we lose sight of our purpose. We lose sight of why God has called us to be the church. It is not so that we can can put on these, these great programs and have these great events, but the reason God has called us to be the church is so that we can lift high the name of Jesus so that we can lift up Jesus, so that we can set Him as as the focal point of our worship, so that we can exalt Jesus. That is our purpose. That is why God has called us here. That was why God sent Jesus, that He may be glorified above above all things. The purpose, and and, and that's why Mary was was exalted, and that's why Mary was praised over Martha. It wasn't because because what Martha was doing wasn't, wasn't helpful, wasn't beneficial, wasn't good. But it was that, that wasn't the purpose. It's necessary for us to have food. It's necessary for us to, to, to have the dishes washed and for us to clean up the house. But, but that wasn't the purpose. When Jesus left, there would have been plenty of time to wash the dishes. 
There would have been plenty of time to pick up the, to, to, to pick up the den and to, and to clean up and to, to, to put the food away. Jesus said, you're missing the boat, Martha. What is your purpose? And so oftentimes in the church, we get so focused and so intent on the event and on the program and making sure that we've got you know, enough teachers and enough Sunday school teachers and enough, enough vacation Bible school workers and enough chaperones and, and, and we fail to communicate the purpose is to lift up Jesus. That everything that we should do should be lift up Jesus. To make sure that we communicate to all of those whom we're working with, all of those who we're ministering to, that our primary goal is to lift up Jesus. Whether we're singing up on stage, whether we're having a Christmas Eve service, whether we're having jam on Wednesday night, whether we're having Sunday night service, whether we're ice skating, whether we're having the Grand Prix, whatever we're doing, our intent and our focus should be to lift up Jesus. To exalt Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords because He and He alone is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and there is no other. John the Baptist understood this. John chapter 1, verse 26. See, there's the verse 26. John chapter 1, verse 26. John the Baptist understood this. You know, Matthew's Gospel writes that there is none greater born of woman than John the Baptist. As we understand this, this must tell us that if John's going to teach us something, if John's going to, to, to do something, we probably ought to pay attention to this. Of, of those born of woman, there is none greater than John the Baptist. So this tells us he's probably a pretty good guy, probably understands the purpose of God better than anyone else. Listen to what John the Baptist said in verse 26. John answered and said to them, I baptize in water. But among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And after John chapter 1, we really hear nothing of John the Baptist until he's killed. He just, he just vanishes from the scene he he steps back and disappears into the ministry of jesus now i want to point out john the baptist had a good thing going john the baptist had what was by all accounts a successful ministry <clears throat> in fact the king had taken notice of john the baptist ministry and and he began he began questioning those jewish leaders who is this guy in the wilderness who's baptizing, who, who's clothed in camel's hair and, and who eats wild honey and locusts? Who is this guy? In fact, so much so, his ministry was so successful that he ends up finding himself being killed for the cause. And so, by all accounts, John the Baptist had a successful ministry. He would have a thriving church. He would have a ministry that was successful. And when Jesus comes onto the scene, John the Baptist stopped he began pointing people to jesus it would be as if we had a thriving church and things were things were hopping and all of a sudden people started coming in the doors and we started saying no don't come to our church 
There's a better church right down the road. Go there. Go listen to that preacher. Go listen to that guy. Go worship with their music. Go participate in their ministry. Go get involved over there. Yes, yes, things are good here and, 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 and things, you know, God is moving here. But, but, but that's really where the ministry is happening. Go there. That, 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 that doesn't make any sense. But that's what John did because John understood the purpose of God was not to glorify John. The purpose of God was to lift up the sun. That's why when Jesus, when John saw Jesus coming over the hill, he said, look, there's somebody here who is bigger, who is better, who's, who the whole purpose for me coming is to pave the way for the one who is coming after me. And there he is. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the, son of the, who takes away the sin of the world. I am not even worthy to untie his sandals and, and I am going to fade into the background. That Jesus may be exalted that he may be lifted up and that is a mark of a disciple of god that 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 when when the focal point and when the light shines upon them that they say no it's all for the glory of jesus all for the glory of jesus so let's go back to the original text acts chapter one <clears throat> all will receive power all of the disciples will receive power. Verse 8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And everyone there, all of the disciples, in Acts chapter 2, received the power of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit was not to glorify the disciples. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it was not the disciples who got the glory. Well, preacher, I read in the book of Acts and, and people are dragging the crippled people out in the middle of the street so that the shadow of Peter can, can come upon them and they were being healed. You know, there's absolutely a, a, a God-sized work that the disciples are doing. Yes, but who's receiving the glory? Jesus. Not the disciples. In fact, Peter and John, in Acts chapter, just after they received power, just after the Holy Spirit fell, Peter and John are walking into the, the, the temple, and there at the temple gate, beautiful, there's a lame man begging, and, and he's saying, give me, give me some money. And Peter said, gold and silver have I not, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And whenever, in Acts chapter 5, whenever they're arrested and they're beaten and they're flogged, they didn't tell them, quit healing, quit preaching, quit Quit, quit doing all these good things. What they said was, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Everything that they had done, all of the power, all of the miracles, all of the wonders, all of the works was for the glory of Jesus. Gold and silver have I not, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And they were warned, speak no more in this name of Jesus. Because everything that they were doing, all of the power that they had been given all, by the Holy Spirit, all of the work that they had been done, all of the miraculous signs was all for the glory of Jesus. Church, that is our purpose. Every single thing that we do, every student that walks through the doors of this school and receives an education and comes to chapel, every kid that goes on an ice skating rink every kid that walks through here on wednesday night and sings songs and 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 learns memory verses it's all 
for the glory of Jesus. Every song that we sing up here on the platform, every prayer that we pray, every message that is preached is all for the glory of Jesus. And the moment it becomes about anything other than the glory of Jesus, then we have lost our focus. And we have lost our purpose. Why? Why is it all for the glory of Jesus? Because Jesus is Lord. Because Jesus is Lord. And there is salvation found in no other name. Acts chapter 4. There is salvation found in no other name but the name of Jesus. Our purpose is to lift up Jesus, to live in obedience, and to love the world. I'm going to close with John chapter 12, verse 24. Jesus makes this statement. John chapter 12, verse 24. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless, the, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains in and of itself. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Back up to verse 23. Jesus answered and said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Our purpose, church, is for us to die that Jesus may be glorified. We must die in order that the Son of Man may be glorified. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35. Jesus said, He who wishes to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake in the gospel shall find it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Our purpose, church, is to lift up Jesus in everything that we do. And the moment that we stop lifting up Jesus, we've lost our purpose. Why must we lift up Jesus? Because he's Lord. He's Lord and there is no other. Therefore, we have, a, we have a responsibility to proclaim Him as Lord. This morning, if you're out there and you know that in your life Jesus is not Lord, I want to invite you this morning to surrender to his lordship. It's not a matter of making Jesus the lord of your life. Because newsflash church, you can't make Jesus lord, he's already lord. We don't have to campaign for Jesus. He doesn't need to be elected to office. He's already in office. Scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that God made him Lord of all. That therefore, because of Jesus' humility, it says, it says in uh, verse 8 that Jesus became obedient even unto the point of death, that, that therefore God has exalted him and has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, both in heaven and earth and under the earth, and at the name of Jesus every tongue should confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We can't make Jesus Lord because God's already done it. Let all the house of Israel know that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. God has exalted Jesus as Lord. 
our responsibility is a, as a sinner, as someone who stands condemned, is to recognize and submit to the lordship of Jesus in our life. Jesus is Lord. Will we surrender? Will we submit to his lordship? You know, my kids, my kids sometimes think that they, that they run the show. And if we're honest, most of the time they do. You know, they, they, they come into the house and, and they want a snack, they go get a snack. They want a cold drink, they go get a cold drink. But every now and again, every now and again, you know, you know mom and dad's patience will, will, will run out. And all of a sudden, we begin cracking the whip, and we begin to say, no, you don't, you don't go to the bathroom unless we say so. And we begin to, to assert our authority. And when that authority is asserted, it's quite clear who's in charge. There's coming a day, church, when Jesus will assert his authority. When Jesus will say, I can bear the sin of this world no longer. And he's going to assert his authority. At that time, it's going to be too late to surrender and submit to the lordship of Jesus. The truth of the gospel is this. Jesus is Lord. You will submit to his authority one day. It would be better to surrender and submit to his authority and submission and worship rather than in recognition and judgment. Let's pray. God, this morning, may we be so encouraged that everything you do is for the glory of Jesus. That everything you do is to make Jesus famous. That everything you do is to make Jesus exalted. Lord, there are those of us here this morning who've never surrendered our life to the Lordship of Jesus. We may have walked down an aisle, we may have prayed a prayer, we may have got wet in a baptistry, but we've been living our lives selfishly we've been living our lives to please ourselves if that's you this morning i want to invite you to come surrender your life to the lordship of jesus confess your sin and your pride and ask jesus to change you there are some of us here this morning who've been Martha. We've been caught up in all of the trappings of service, all of the trappings of ministry, that we've lost sight of our purpose to lift up Jesus. If that's you, I want to invite you to come. Or maybe this morning, you just want to start off 2015. You want to start it off right proclaiming the name of Jesus, lifting Him up, understanding that the whole purpose of your salvation was so that you can lift up Jesus. 
God's purpose for you is not that you be born again. God's purpose for you is that you proclaim the name of Jesus, that, that He has saved you, He has sanctified you for the purpose of glorifying the Son. And this morning, you want to commit in 2015 that this year is going to be the year that I lift up Jesus in everything that I do. Maybe God's calling you this morning to be part of a church whose sole purpose and intent is to exalt Jesus. Whatever it is the Lord is speaking to you this morning, may you find yourself obedient. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen.